Find Cody Willard and Gerald Salente on Scudify and on the Scudify apps. Whoa, no, boo, oh, we get a clue, yo, do I blew your mind from to you to Soho. Cody Willow, New Mexico, Lobo, Muddy Souls, get around like... Hello, Lobo, welcome back to Cody Underground. I am Cody Willard, and today I have a very special guest, Gerald Salente, uh, the man, the legend himself. Gerald, thanks for uh, joining me again. Ah, oh, thanks for having me on with one of my favorite hosts. Uh, we go with, no, I mean that. We we had some great times together back in the days and still do. From the producers on down, rarely did the everybody in the room agree on the guests, but Gerald Salente was always, everyone was very excited when you'd come on because we did. We had great times with you, and your stuff is so compelling. You know, the stuff we'll talk about today is very related to the stuff we used to talk about on the show. It is. And I will say, I watched your videos. Uh, I paid $49 for the premium videos that you put up with us on Scudify. And uh, you can buy with Scudify credits. And everybody check out Scudify if you haven't yet. Uh, Gerald's on there with his articles. And my first question talks about some of the stuff I saw in those videos, which is the grand manipulation. And this time of manipulation in the markets that we live through today can you introduce us a little bit more to that concept, and then I'll give you a follow-up question. Sure, and and that uh, the conference that we just had, by the way, over here in Colonial Kingston, New York, and we, that building that we, where it was shot from, that's a 1774 building. It was called the Academy, and that's where people like John the Vanderlyn, the famous uh, Hudson River painter, went to school. Uh, Governor DeWitt Clinton. You know, so it's really historic corner. It's the most historic corner in the United States, the only place where there were pre-Revolutionary War stone buildings on each corner. So that's where that was shot from, and we restored the building uh, from from it, you know, really bringing it back to life. And we have three of the four corners. So we had our conference where we launched, and it's a five-and-a-half-hour, as you know, uh, uh, conference, where we launched the top trends of 2015. And... The top one is grand manipulation. And by the way, that's being written by Dr. Paul Craig Roberts. We came up with the trend, talked to him about it, and he's he's totally on board with it. The game is rigged, and we point out how it's rigged. And I'm sure that everyone that listens to you and follows you knows how it's rigged. We're not making it up when we say the Forex, the currency exchange, is rigged. We know it's a fact. They caught the people, and they gave them little fines. And what are they talking about? Oh, only rigging, what, $5.3 trillion a day? That's ah, all right. Let it go by. But don't get caught speeding. Make sure your signal light's on. You know, don't, don't make any mistakes because then they'll really get you. But rig a $5.3 trillion market, you know what we'll do? We'll call it a misdeed. Huh? How's that? And then you look at the LIBOR market. What's that? Well, that's only the interest rates that we're all paying. Oh, they're rigging that one, too? Yeah, they rigged that one, too. How much? Well, the best number they could come up with was around $700 trillion. It's rigged. You look at the gold markets. Rigged? Dr. Paul Craig Roberts spells it out in detail. Hey, why is physical demand for gold going up and silver when it's going down on the commodities markets? Uh, couldn't be because they're dumping tons of short selling at a time when nobody's buying in wee hours of the morning. No, that has nothing to do with it. 
Well, and they're using paper too. I mean, this is paper promises and ETF paper promises and certificates of gold and silver that very unlikely the gold and silver that those are promised that there's that those certificates are supposedly representing are no longer there in the quantity that those certificates represent. Of course not. This is just made up stuff. So why this is a growing trend, the manipulation of the markets. And how is that possible? Everybody talks about that, well, when a crisis comes, maybe we can finally fix things. Here we are six years after that 2008 crisis, and nothing has been fixed, and probably it's more manipulated, and the scale of this, these manipulations are bigger than ever. Because that goes into one of our other trends, bankism. It's not capitalism. Let's grow up about this. The banks are in control. Don't believe me? How about four words that killed it? Too big to fail. Oh, those too big to fails, where they get 40% bigger? And who's the guy that deregulated, helped deregulate the Glass-Steagall Act that allowed the banks to become casinos that gamble? They call it investment banks. Call it a gambling. No, we've got to be proper. Who's the guy that did it? Robert Rubin. Where was he from? Oh, wasn't he the CEO of Goldman Sachs? And after they after they deregulated it, didn't he get a job with Citigroup that just used to be Citibank, but it was merged to become with Smith Barney and Travelers? Didn't he get a, didn't he make like a hundred and fifty million dollars after leaving government? Yeah, but he's brilliant. I think he went to Harvard or Yale or Princeton. He's brilliant. How about a payoff? Why, how dare you? No, he's Robert Rubin. And who's the other guy that gave us too big to fail on the bush? Uh, wasn't that Henry Paulson? Wasn't he with Goldman Sachs too? Why, Gerald Salenti, are you saying that just because they came from the Goldman Sachs gang and then under under... The guy, that what is he now playing? Frankenstein movies, Paulson. I think that's his latest job. What is, do you mean just because he bailed out AIG and Goldman Sachs had a $13 billion bad bet with them and came up with the words too big to fail under the great lie when he hit the news when he said we were going to do this, that it was going to save the average person in the real estate market that got shafted? Or maybe through Dick Cheney, they got anally fed. Yeah, that's the way they torture him in the banks. So, but, but, Gerald, why does it go on? At what point? Why does it go on? Why, because, why, at what point do people get some control back and the because control the, back? It, it, it goes on because it's not that the banks have influence. The banks are the government. Can't people get that in their head? I'm just here. here, Cody, Cody, Cody. Let's go to Europe. Who's the guy running? Who's the president of the European Central Bank? Uh, Where was he? Who was he with? Uh, Deutsch, I believe. No, he was a general. He he was running the European division of Goldman Sachs. Oh, who's the guy running? Who's running the Bank of England? Carney. Where was Carney? Goldman Sachs. How much more? I'm not making this stuff up. 
you know, it's what the doing. banks are in control of the government. You know what they like to call this stuff? They call it campaign contributions. Could any adult call it bribes and payoffs? Let's keep. Let's call a, a duck a duck. If it, you know, the old saying, if it quacks and swims like one. So you used something a minute ago. The banks are the government, and the classic example of that is when you see these banks get all those bailouts and continued wild, you know, trillion-dollar subsidies going on right now with zero percent interest rates and the Federal Reserve buying and the central banks around the world buying these probably worthless real estate assets and securities from the banks in the form of quantitative easing and whatnot, and then we give them those fines, and there'll be record fines of 20 or $30 billion, but wasn't it our own money anyway? We just bailed those banks out, so it gets to be this Peter Pace Paul kind of thing. Yes, and not only that, they use the, use the fines as their tax write-offs. You're right, exactly. So they get the 40% off the fine anyway, top off. And, and then look what happened with the new budget that was just passed. What they have in there now that they now the derivatives are like you know they're like uh, <laughs> deposit insurance. So they made bad bets. We got to pay off their bad bets. I mean, it's tails you win, heads I lose. Classic mentality. So you also talked. You used the term capitalist a moment ago, and the lack thereof, perhaps, in our country, the lack of capitalism. And if, if you look at the spectrum, say, at communism to socialism to capitalism to outright anarchism, where where are we in the U.S. today? Are, are we anywhere in – somewhere in the capitalist realm over there? No, it's fascism. It's called the merger of state and corporate powers. That's by definition, according to Mussolini, who knew a thing or two about it. And is that then a form of socialism? No, it's fascism. It's fascism in the sense that socialism is they give you back. Here they give you back, make it. They pretend to give you back. And 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 but this is a this is a where we're it's slave landia. It's a multinational takeover. That's another one of our trends. Takeover. Look at this Trans-Pacific Partnership. How's that for a whitewashed word? There's enough trade deals already. This isn't about a trade deal or the one with the transatlantic partnership. These aren't trade deals. What they're doing is they're making laws where the multinationals make the laws. And, they, and, they're, and they're sovereign to sovereign states. They overrule countries. That's a fact. And the other fact is that in this – you know why they attacked us on 9-11? Yeah, because they hate our freedom and democracy. That's what they told us. Well, we don't have to worry about that anymore because we're not allowed to look at the bill. That's right. You're not allowed to look at the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We're going to fast-track this through. And guess what, Cody? Congress isn't allowed to look at it either. But I'll tell you who's allowed to look at it. About 500 people. And the attorneys who, wrote, who write it for the corporations? You know it. Global corporations. You got so, it. You know, this speaks to not only are the laws being written and put in place that benefit those giant transglobal corporations, the tax code itself is so swayed where, like we're talking about, the banks get trillion-dollar subsidies every year, and maybe they pay some taxes, but they get much more back from the government than they'll ever pay in taxes over the last five years and probably over the next five years. How bad does this 
disconnect between the wealth and the wealthy and the poor have to get and the extreme wealth that we see versus the millions that are in poverty in our own country in the United States in the inner cities in rural America everywhere versus I mean, is it all government policy and government taxation? Is there anything that we can do as citizenry that sort of un- that helps and creates some prosperity and change that trend? It's only going to change if we do it. Look at this last election. 74% of the people decided to stay home rather than vote for a lesser of two evil. I mean, that's astounding. If they had an election in Russia right now and only... 34% of the people, 36% of the people turned out. It'd be front page news. Look at the new study that just came out from the Pew Research Institute. They just showed that the gap between the rich and the poor has gotten even wider. Look and that's at, my point. I mean, this is... The, it's how, going how to be up to the... Trend? It's up to the individuals. And it's taking place in other countries where... The men are men and the women are women and they're speaking up and taking a stand. Rather than in this country where both, but most of the people defend the, the freaks that they believe in. And, and, and my freak is better than your freak. And so what you, it, or I'm serious. I mean, you look at what's going on in Spain. The Podemos party came out of nowhere in a year and now they're 33%. You look what's going on in Italy between Beppe Grillo's party and the Northern League. Look what's going on in England with UKIP. Look at they just had an ele- they just forced an election in Sweden. They want because the people are saying enough. You know, Cody, one of the ways I made my name as a trend forecaster was with my book Trend Tracking back in the late 1980s. It was a Warner book. And in that book, I forecast that there'd be a new third party. And I mentioned someone like Ross Perot as the type of person that the people were looking for. And of course, in 1992, it happened. The time has never been ready, as I see it, more so than now, for a new third party. Well, and why does it have to be a party? That's always been my thing. I'm very anti-party, not just two-party. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not even a Libertarian or anything else. I'm a free thinker. I, I don't want a party. I want to be able to take it all on each person on each merit and eliminate the all of the ramifications and control that parties end up with. Well, I agree with you. You know, I'm a, I call myself a political atheist. I don't believe in this stuff. To me, the Republicans and Democrats are murderers and thieves. I'd rather call them the Bloods and the Crips. And I don't say that sarcastically. How many more people do they have to murder around the world in the name of bringing freedom and democracy? And how much more money do they have to steal of ours before they could call it uh, too big to fail? And people realize it. Are you you ever scared that the Republican-Democrat regime, as I call them, is concerned about you and what you say? You know, last night, uh, do you know Gary Null? No. Gary Null, he's very well known in the New York area, his work in health and nutrition, and he has a great show on WBAI. He came out with a new movie called Poverty, Inc., and I was in it along with Ralph Nader, Chris Hedges, a number of uh, Palast, you know, great, great guys. And as they're going through it, and, and the, with John Perkins, you know, Hitman, 
and Perkins is talking about all the people that the, the they had assassinated in around the world for for taking different stands, particularly in in Latin America, and that the government was behind it, or they were funded by the government, or they were taught trained by the government of the United States. And yeah, I watched that, and I thought, well, yeah, poof, you're gone. We'll blow you away in a second. You know, if I ever get a threat, you know, I, I, I don't want to die for a cause. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Matter of fact, I could give you the perfect example why it doesn't pay to die for a cause. I'll Please. give you a date. November 22nd. Oh. Nobody remembers the date. The day that Kennedy got assassinated. Nobody, they don't pay tribute to it. It came and went this year. Came and went. Matter of fact, I have a photograph, and it was in one of the Trends Journals, of me and John Connolly, the guy that took the bullet in the back, that sat in front of Kennedy. And Connolly wanted to meet me. It was 1992, because of my forecast of the uh, uh, Perot. And we met in, in Dallas. And we went to the book depository. It was two months, two weeks before the election. And it's their first time back. I have a picture of me, him, and his wife, Nellie, standing in front of the book depository. He begins to tell the story of what happened that day. We're sitting in a limousine parked out in the front. The picture that you see is the side. And he said, you know, I heard a gunshot. He said, I looked to my right. I know it was a gunshot because I was hunting it since I'm a little boy. He said, I turned over to my, I turned to my left. He said, I was wearing a dark blue suit that day and was crouched down in the jump seat. They had jump seats in those days in the limousines that used to fold down. And he said, I was holding a Stetson hat on my knee. He said, I turned to my left and there were brains on my shoulder. He said, I know there were brains because my daddy was a butcher. Oh. And this is the way the story begins. As we're walking back into the Anatole Hotel, we stayed in touch, by the way. And he died in, I knew he was going to die because he had, he was getting conditions, uh, uh, adhesions from the, from the wounds, from the lung wounds. And, and he was on heavy doses of prendazone. And he was all hunched over. And my father, may his soul rest in peace, died of a lung disease from working in the shipyards during the war. So I saw the symptoms, you know, the purple hands, you know, the, the, my father was a big, tall, strapping guy, all hunched over, looked just like Connolly. And I knew Connolly was speaking like a dying man. We're walking back into the Anatole Hotel, and he looks at me, and he said, you know, Gerald, I read your book, Trend Track, and he says, it's a fine piece of work, and I know your heart's in the right place. He said, well, you don't have a clue what's going on, and neither do the American people, because if they did, There'd be a revolution in this country. And this is back in 1992. And this is a guy, not only was he the Democratic governor of Texas, he became the Treasury Secretary under Nixon. Wow. This is a guy that was there. Just like Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, who writes for us in the Trends Journal, Assistant Treasury Secretary under, under Reagan. Look at the way he speaks out. You know, you get to a point in life, you know, like as I said, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, if, my, if I'm threatened, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sacrifice my life for this. But if, if Dick Cheney or Obama or Clinton or Kerry or any one of these guys that call themselves men have a problem with what I'm saying and want to speak to me face to face, well, my address is 57 John Street in Kingston. 
Leave your flunkies. Leave your flunkies behind. So let me ask you then. You also use the term wildcats and how we live in wildcat times, and this leads us right. What we're talking about leads us right into that as Russia is imploding, the ruble collapses, oil is in a crash. How much of this going on right now is geopolitical, uh, government conspiracy kind of control things versus natural repercussions of free market uh, balance coming back into some of the grandly manipulated markets out there? Well, let's look at a grand manipulation. What happened this week? The Federal Reserve came out and they said they were going to have patience in raising interest rates. When was the last time they raised interest rates? 2006. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) They have negative interest rates in Europe. That's the manipulation. When you go to the oil prices... And again, I believe the gold prices and the, the markets are rigged. Even now, that guy Jim Cramer, and we did a whole piece on it. We got, we got him, he was caught on audio saying in his book that the markets are rigged. It's an inside game. And, and Dr. Paul Craig Roberts makes it very clear, you know, with the Fed plunge protection team and on and on, on the, on the floor of the, of the stock exchange. You know, they, they're playing the game. Oil. And then we go into the wildcat. All right, all of a sudden, oil goes, boom, it it goes up 2%, and then all of a sudden, bam, now it's back down. You have Brent under under 60 and West Texas 54. So is it being manipulated to, to hurt Russia is what I keep hearing. To me, no. To me, it's more supply than demand because it's not only oil, it's copper. You could buy a ton of reinforcement rod, rebar, in China cheaper than a ton of cabbage. You have a housing bust in China. Look what's going on in Angola. Look what's going on in Brazil and Chile. Look at the, look at the pounding that the loony up in, in Canada is taking because of oil prices, because of, of Australia, because of all the iron ore and other minerals that they export. If America and, Ru- and Europeans aren't buying stuff, China's not making it. Or Indonesia, Vietnam, or Bangladesh, or any of these other third world wage paying nations. If they're not making it, then all the natural resource rich countries aren't exporting it. And to me, that's what's going on. And here, I could put it into fact. 85 people 85 people own more dough than 3.5 billion. So you don't have enough money in the hands of enough people to buy up not only the natural resources, but the finished product. And that's why you also saw a bust on Black Friday. The Retail Federation said it was going to go up 4.1, down 11. Oh, yeah, they made something up on Cyber Monday, but look already, you go seeing sales 50-70% off. There's more product that can be consumed. It's a supply and demand issue. And then you bring it back to Wildcat. How much junk bonds 
have been blown up because of the record low interest rates we were talking about in the energy. They estimate about 20% of them in the U.S. It's not going to be a happy ending. How how much of this keeps the oversupply of cheap clothing from China at Walmart being marked off 50 to 70% and processed food that keeps the quality of which keeps getting probably worse and worse in order to keep prices low. How much of this keep when does inflation kick in at the grocery store to the point where you're seeing it double digits or something? I mean, I, I, I prices are clearly up from where they were five years ago for chocolate, beef, most anything you're going to buy at the grocery store at the home or home improvement store. Where's inflation though, and when does it really kick in? When it, we we it, we see more of a deflation you're, the, with the things that you're talking about are tightly controlled products because it goes to one of our other trends takeover. It's a multinational takeover, and so what you have is you have a few people in control of the finished product, and they can in the in the particularly in food they can, they do a lot to drive prices up and down. Because you, if you're in the restaurant business, for example, everyone I talk to, the food prices are killing them. But in the meantime, commodity prices are going way down. So it's because it's controlled in the hands of a few. You see, and, once... And, a, and where is the Department of Justice was supposed to protect consumers and the, pub, the general public from... These oligopolies, and we've now got oligopolies and DRAM memory and chickens and beef in Monsanto and Monsanto in crops. Where? What? How does this end? How? Where? Is there just going to be a monopoly on each? Only if we, the people, remain silent and don't do anything. Because when they had the last round of robber barons, you had people like Theodore Roosevelt and others that put into place laws such as Glass-Steagall Act. Uh, that came later. That came under FDR. But Clayton Antitrust Act, Sherman Antitrust Act, Robinson Patman Act. So is that what we need? We need some the government. They have to be like you said. Like you said, you're not a libertarian. You're not a Democrat. You're not a Republican. You're not, and I'm not either. And I believe in laws, just like you have red I'm lights. Not I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying. We no, I know. I know you're not. Is that a case where the government does need to step in and legislate that you can't own 30% or 40% of any particular market in something that's a pure commodity that's been out there forever? Why can't? Why do I have to buy these 99-cent dog food frozen burritos at the grocery store in, in the frozen section instead of the homemade tamales from the grandmother down the road. Again, it's the deregulation. Part it began under Carter, actually, when he deregulated the um, the airline business, because I was flying a lot in those days, you know, and I remember what first class used to feel like. There were like 150 airlines, and now we have a monopoly of just a few, too. They own four, you know, basically, and then and then it began. It really went into uh, Reagan tried pushing through a lot of it, but it really went into high gear under Clinton with the deregulation of the communications industry, Glass Steagall Act. He's the man that brought us Monsanto, you know, G GMOs, bovine growth hormones. 
He's the guy that allowed drug companies to to advertise on TV. He was the one that really put it into high gear. So just as they deregulated it, we need a system to regulate. And when you said by the, and I'm I'm on, agree with you. The only reason I said a third party, I'm in favor of direct democracy like they have in Switzerland. Let we the people vote. You want to go to war? Let us vote. You want to deregulate? You want to regulate the banks or deregulate them or bail them out? Let let us vote. What do we got? A gang of five thirty-five? That's how many senators and congressmen there are telling us how to tie our shoes. So, where does where is the happy ending? I'll tell you what we're trying to do. On May second of two thousand and fifteen, from the most historic four corners in the United States. The mayor has given us permission to close down the streets. He says, Mayor Gallo, that we should be building communities, not nations. We're launching Occupy Peace. The website's OccupyPeace.us. We're open to any suggestions, any ideas. This is not a rally to yell, scream, and go home and nothing happens. This is a battle plan for peace. We're going to have takeaways to put it into action. And it's based upon... Where I am, I'm looking right now, I'm looking at the courthouse in Kingston. Out of this courthouse, they wrote the Constitution of New York State. This was the first capital. Ninety percent of America's Constitution came from that courthouse. Jurors in that courthouse included John Jay and three Supreme Court justices. Every one of the founding fathers, beginning with Washington, a real warrior, a real commander-in-chief, not one that plays basketball, shoots pool, and, or, or plays golf or drives pickup trucks. A real commander-in-chief, his farewell address, no foreign entanglements. And the world was at war then. Jefferson, Madison, Franklin, Adams, every one of the founding fathers, no foreign entanglements. So, how are we going to reverse the course? We're launching Occupy Peace, no foreign entanglements, bring home the troops, seal the borders, and rebuild America. Do you know that this budget that Obama just pushed through, 80% of the dough goes to defense and defense-related expenditures, including the cyber world to watch us. 80 cents of every dollar. Hey, they turned off the water in uh, Detroit. Don't got electricity? can't find a job so our solution is honor thy founding fathers and that's what we're going to be doing you said close seal the borders and where do you draw the line between even back then immigration and allowing people to come here and become citizens easily versus as we have it now a second and third class citizenship kind of hybrid you're a citizen but you're not thing versus sealing it off completely if you're not in here you can't come in what's your take on all well here's my take on it again and you know my motto and you know me well enough i don't tell people what to believe just like you said you don't belong to any political religion and i don't either you know the motto of the trends research institute is think for yourself you know my blood is italian but my heart is american and if when when the great depression broke out they everybody's gone, man. They seal the borders. It was very hard to come into this country even after World War Two. They had very strict limitations 
until the country regained its strength from the Depression. Right now, we have, what, 317 million people. We have 46 million people on food stamps. 20% of the millennials are living in poverty. The gap between the rich and the poor is the widest of any time in modern history. So for me, it's let's get our country back working again. Let's rebuild what we have. When I say bring home the troops, put them into work, a work progress administration program that mirrors FDRs, but the troops are rebuilding the infrastructure rather than going into foreign countries. And then open the borders after we've stabilized. It's like having a family of, of eight and not being able to take care of them and then having a family of 16. That's the way I, I look always, at it. I just always go back to I'd like as much freedom as possible whatever that might be. This is a very complex topic. I got one last question for you, Gerald. But do you own or invest in any individual stocks, like a technology thing that you thought was a brilliant idea? Do you, where, where is there a place in that for your portfolio with the viewpoints you have on the world? You know, to be 100% honest with you, I've never had the acumen to figure that out well. So I stayed away from it. And the only things I've ever invested in in my life of any consequence was gold and real estate. And your own career. Oh, well, that goes without saying, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we put everything, you know, we put everything back into the business that we can to keep building it. But, no, I, I just don't have the knowledge. And, and I spend so much of my time studying what's going on. I, I really don't have the knowledge to 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 go into the market. So again, I'm just a very you know, there's there's a lot of wisdom in that. That you you stick to what you know, and you're not going to get burned in the way that so many, as I know you know, millions of investors like I do that end up selling at the bottoms out of their 401ks and their mutual funds when the stocks have dropped 60% in 2008, and then they start getting back in here today, and that's a, a it's much better to keep your cash and put it in real estate and your own career and gold, if nothing else, than to just flounder around with the markets. And and the other point is, is when I talk about real estate, you know, I'm not a speculator. I buy what I love. And like I bought, as I said, I bought a 1774 building, a 1750s, and a 1763. And the other real estate I have is close by. But I buy it because of the passion of what it represents and who I am and how much love I have for this country. So I want to restore them and pass them on. I'm only a steward, so I just want to fix them up and, and, and pass them on for generations so that they remain. And of course, I'm not buying them to lose money on them. But if I could just break even and they, you know, and, and, you know, cover everything, the expenses and they keep doing well, that's good enough for me. And with that, I think we got a great close. I can't thank you enough, Gerald. I've we've run quite a while here and just sort of free reign. But as always, it's fascinating, and I learned so much. And I invite all of the people listening to come by your uh, videos. There's, like I said, five hours worth of videos that I've watched on Scudify from Gerald talking at the most recent Trends Journal conference and. Um, 
it's fascinating stuff. I mean, if you really want to have an alternative take on what you should be focused on with today's trends out there, this is the man, this is the place. Go to Scudify to watch it and learn more. And, of course, you can get um, Gerald Salente at Trends Journal and all over the world on TV shows and elsewhere. Anything else I should uh, let you throw in there? Oh, no, thank you very much, and I, I love to see you again next time you're in best New York. Best to you and everyone else. And uh, all the have best to you year. and everyone else. Thank and you so have much. Have a happy it's New Year. Thank you so much. Mine as well. Thank you so much. Mine as well. Thank you so much, Cody. Bye-bye now. Uh, okay, thanks. Bye. That's Cody Underground. I am Cody Willard, and that was Gerald Salente joining me today. You can find Cody Willard and Gerald Salente on Scudify, on the Scudify apps that you can download for iPhone, iPad, for Android, and tablet, and on the Scudify.com site. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.